All right, welcome back to another episode of The Last Man Standing, the unofficial podcast to the CBS All Access series, The Stand. I'm Nick. I'm Matt. And I'm disappointed. (laughs) And we are the broadcasters. And today, we're going to review episode five titled Fear and Loathing in New Vegas. Matt, you have a brief synopsis for us. What's going on this week? Okay, here we go. Dana spies poorly and fails to kill Flag. We're suspicious of Harold for reasons. (laughs) Franny asks Larry to search his house. Nadine yells at Mother Abigail and then makes a move to save her soul. Mother Abigail goes AWOL, and then Harold raids a Build-A-Bear workshop. Man, you don't think he actually made that camera, do you? What do you mean? Yeah, he, he you know, went to the workshop. They got the little operating table. He puts a camera inside the, the bed. That's not how it happened? <laughs> I like that better than him finding it. I mean, it's been a sitcom joke for 10 years. Nanny cam. It's against like fucking friends as a nanny cam. You make that? Well, Stu and Franny have clearly never seen Friends. <laughs> Oh, let's just get into this thing, guys. This this show's done enough to us. Let's just get right into it. I think we should start this one in Vegas. The let's newest go, let's go of the Vegas Vegases? Let's let's go let's go to I'm sorry, New Vegas. Damn. I love that they they picked the title of Fear and Loathing in New Vegas, which like kind of feels like a fucking slap you to, to Johnny Depp here and casting Amber Heard, but I don't know. Um <laughs> let's let's start in Vegas. So we 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 it opens up with Dana and she's kind of giving us a glimpse into the city. Um and it makes sense that like we kind of travel around with her, despite the fact that she's this new character dropped in us last episode. <laughs> but what I'm kind of confused is like, how long has she been there? And like, how long did it take for her to get there? Like the whole time here kind of feels weird, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, she's already like, in, you know, initiated into the Hoover Dam, like welding crew. Like they, they went through like uh, all the training scenarios. She's, she's pro welder. <laughs> she's, she's set. She's good to go. And apparently she did training. For sure. They, they skipped that. But for, <laughs> <laughs> or the guy, her boss skipped that. Um, and then it just, she's been also there long enough to be asking around town about, hey, have you seen Flag? Have you seen Flag? What's Flag? Like, uh, what's up to? What's he like? Um, and that everybody knows about. She's been there for like a while, right? I guess. I mean, for them to have that conversation, for her to have gotten back to Vegas. I mean, one, whoever taught you anything about reconnaissance, right? You don't walk in and be like, where bad guys? Hey. Hey. Right. <laughs> Which they immediately start with. It's like, who the fuck's been asking about Flag this whole time? They gave her welding training. Maybe before she goes over to be a spy, they give her like basic spy training. Like here, watch a couple James Bond. Don't watch James Bond movies. Actually, he pretty much comes out and says, "I'm James Bond," and I'm I work for, <laughs> for MI6. Every like time. watch a, like a Bourne movie or something. I don't know. It's something where like you're a little bit more subtle. So oh, wait, so you wanted Teddy to sit her down with like some movies and be like, "Hey, hey this is a good spy thriller. Just watch <laughs> this real quick." Hundred percent. I mean, look, uh, uh, Tom had the directions. He had it down. He's observe and report, right? Again, <laughs> observe, count how many guns they have. He recited it back perfectly. And apparently Nadine was just, I mean, Dana was just like, fuck all that. I'm just, I'm just here to meet Flag. It is, but it is funny because like as much as we shit on Dana here, like Judge Ferris hasn't gotten there yet. <laughs> so At she's by all. far the worst of the three. Um, but like, look, Boulder to, to to Vegas is like 850 miles. Like it's not a quick it's not a quick journey. So like we had to have had like what f- is this four weeks of time? Is it a month? Wait, four weeks? Come on. How long does it take to drive from from Boulder to Vegas? Like like a day? 
No, but you're assuming that the roads are clear too, right? Like again, an 800 mile trip, you know, you you, you got to figure uh, maybe a week, right? You have to stop, you have to siphon gas, you have to move cars out of the way, you have to forget to develop your characters, you know, that takes a week. <laughs> Wait, but again, the reason I ask is because they sent Tom on a bike. So it's like, so I guess Dan, it drove here. I should have, I should have understood that not everyone is okay. biking across the fucking America to get to, to yeah. Vegas. Tom biked over the Rocky Mountains <laughs> and then down the Rocky <laughs> okay. Mountains. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to mm-hmm. take a, that's going to take a couple weeks. Yeah, it's going to take a while. Be a shivering mess. Just shitting myself on the side of the road. If you made me do that, those yeah, no. mountains are disgusting. Absolutely not. Again, I would have told them this immediately, though, when they asked me, can you go to Vegas? I'd be like, <laughs> I can't even get there. You're going you're gonna to hand me a map like I've used the map before? Please stop. Uh, either way, look, we, let's jump into like the, the nuts and bolts of Vegas. So how is Vegas portrayed in the book? Is it just this weird kind of like sex and debauchery and like that's it? No, is it a nonstop Flat orgy? matches? No, it's yeah, not so a non-stop, non-stop orgy, orgy in the book. Oh, okay. It's like the exact opposite, actually. Like, Flag runs a tight ship. Like, Hector, that crucified dude we met like two weeks ago, he was crucified. You keep saying cause... his name like I should know that. <laughs> I know, you're right. They don't, they don't name him in the show. The, no. the guy who, like, his eyes turn black. How about the crucified guy? There was only yeah. one of them. Perfect. Um, he got crucified just for doing cocaine because Flag's like, none of that here. You know, like, we run a tight ship. Like, does that seem like what, like how Flag is running the, 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 the Vegas in the show? Because it just seems like everyone's just having sex and getting wasted. No, I mean, Harold and Julie are doing blow right next to the gladiator. Pit, Correct. You know, like, again, yep. that, that comes up a couple of times in this. So not not even close. It's embarrassing, the, the transition here, right? From, uh, again, I don't expect to see Las Vegas destroyed or everything. It wasn't like it was a hot war or anything. Like, people just died. Uh, all over the place. I would imagine that a lot of the the high rises are just stinking corpse ovens at this point, right? Because we are in Vegas. So, I mean, best you're getting mummies, worst you're getting, uh, again, the thing that drove uh, Larry out of New York apparently doesn't fucking matter in Vegas. Yeah, no, just air fresheners everywhere. Well, like, <laughs> here, here's the difference. So, so I, I, you know, they're trying to portray two different societies, right? You have Boulder, like the, the commune and people working together and out in Vegas. Vegas in the show, it just like I said, it's, it's nonstop orgy. In the book, totally different, right? So here's Dana's impersonation because we want to see like what type of people are in Vegas, right? Okay, so she says the others in Vegas are okay. She thought that Vegas had a rather lar- rather large proportion of stupids than the zone, but none of them wore fangs and they didn't turn into bats at moonrise. There were also people who worked mm-hmm. much harder than she remembered the people in the zone working. In the free zone, you saw people idling in the park at all hours of the day. That sort of thing didn't happen over here. From 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., everybody was working. And school had started again. So it's like, they're out there working, you know, hmm. they're doing their eight, you know, eight to five flags, even tougher. Um, and they got the schools up and running. They got the power plants going. Like, it's kind of se- like for Jane, it seems like sure. Like flag is kind of scary. And like the punishments are severe. I mean, they crucified a dude, but like, well, again, pretty extreme, but like apart from that, like society's just kind of running, you know, people are going to going to work. It's not, it's not a nonstop sex orgy. No, I mean, at a minimum, they're certainly more efficient, than than the boulder crews are right like who who barely have gotten electricity up and running um but look it's 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 just really very very bad very bad the way that they shame folks in this it seems like again uh if you're gay the only gay character we've seen is in this scene so like do not pass go do not pass boulder go directly to shit vegas here right very very embarrassing to see Again, any kind of sex shown uh, as 
as the thing that makes you evil, I guess, uh, instead of anything that's actually scary or bad. Yeah, yeah, because it's just like, oh, this is a hellscape, but it's just kind of people like having like kind of kinky sex, like exhibitionist sex and like drinking a lot. It's like 1980s Christian version of hell. This isn't like, right. You no, know, it's 2020 guys. Like that's the problem. Well, all right. Well, they did have like some live action gladiator matches where dudes were just getting lopped up. Like that's pretty extreme. Okay. Who, who made that decision though? Was that like a, Hey, flag's going to do this. And cause like, wouldn't people kind of be like, mm, be like, I'm down with sex, but like, I don't want to watch a dude cut someone in half with a chainsaw. Maybe, Maybe that's dude. just me. Because like, do what I want to do. Get kind of. I know, but but so who are the types of people going here? Like, is it just people that are like evil and drawn, or is it people that were scared and that they end up in this place and they actually feel like now they're a part of something and have value and purpose? See, Nick, now you're asking questions about characters that obviously (laughs) nobody in this show ever fucking thought of. All right, they like to watch people get hit with axes and they like to have sex, so they're bad. God damn it! And don't you dare ask one more question. Yeah, in the TV show, they also like. Now was was there one redeemable person in Vegas that you saw? Like even like the no, HR no, woman no, no, was no. like throw Tom to the slave pits. Oh my god! And to have a black woman say that, get fucking right. Anybody right. on set? It's the third black character that we've had. What I? Mm. <laughs> yeah, just my point is like it, it sure seems like they're showing you that everybody in Vegas is a depraved animal monster or like just a piece of shit. Like that's really how they're showing it. Um, in the book, it wasn't. It was just kind of working folks who liked the order that Flag provided because right. hey, the world just ended. I'd like to know where my next lunch is coming from. Maybe I can live with some people. It just he provided like Nazi, you know, efficiency and level stability, um, not just insane murder and gladiator pits. It was just it was getting bad but different. And what you said about that, like uh, fascistic fetish of order, right? Of having mm. everything in place. He. Again, anytime they drop one sentence in this show, they figure that that's good enough to carry us through, right? We had it happen in this, and I won't get into the details, right, where a singular moment from three episodes was mentioned as being, like, super significant and important. And I guess it is when you give each character, like, 15 seconds of screen time. But you, everyone, this was so transparent. The only conversation that I saw on Twitter this week was everybody shitting on, like, what is the tone of the show? What is it? Why are you now you're going to shame folks for sex? You're going to, again, misportray all these characters like they're getting in their way so much that I can't even enjoy the other elements of it. I mean, again, like the real Night Owl is one of our best like Twitter people that we, we have on here. Right. Again, you're not even letting us enjoy the story if you're a person who, again, at all cares about these friggin issues. Yeah, I, they they good. attempted to give us Vegas and they gave us Reno, and I just I'm out. <laughs> I don't I don't like it. I I don't think debauchery is what is evil. I think they could have done a little. I thought that there would be this like undercurrent of menace from Flag, but people would be kind of like feeling purposeful with their lives and be able to work and function in a society. But no, it's just sex orgies. <laughs> Yeah, like like you described, like good, you know, like good storytelling, like in the book, like how they do it. You know? Now, and, and they chose to go a different direction. I will say this: could could it, could it possibly have been that, like, and may, maybe I just saw this wrong, and we'll we'll talk about Lloyd now, and kind of transitioning into this is is the the people under flag? Do they get to celebrate kind of the riches of the society while other people are working? Almost like you don't know that the Lloyds actually go and get to participate in like a weird sex, like a a sex orgy with other like people that are in the upper echelon of the society in that like hierarchy, but everyone else is just fucking working. Like is that's not even a thing either. 
Uh, my bad for saying sex orgy. We can just say orgy. Um, it, the sex is implied. Yeah, Lloyd's Correct. a very different character in the book. No, like there is not like these princelings ruling around. Like again, maybe we're only showed that the 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 the, the higher ups, the elites in the in the Vegas casino, just having sex. Everybody else out there is working. Um, no, in, in the book, Lloyd is different. Lloyd is like he's like owes his life to flag and he takes that very seriously flag saves him from you know starving and eating a dude to, to death in a prison cell it was horrific right but he's terrified of flag terrified and like that undercurrent of fear runs like through his entire character like he's a good point man because he will like you know he's fairly competent he like has his little his minions that he's able to control he's competent he's you know he, he's good at telling people what to do in this, he's like some showy, like, I'm just here to have sex and, and party. And that is, it is nothing like how he is. Yeah, he, here he's just waiting for his cue from Julie, like like Tony Wonder and the rest of development to come bursting out of the box to come in here. It's so bizarre. Yeah, it's all it's all very bad. And and again, it's it's this is your failings of your show, right? Of having this exposition in terms of characterization, right? Like I say this one line, right? I'm in bed with Julie, she mentions his name, I lose my boner, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's all we get, but again, the show doesn't even work to build in any layers of anything there's no layers of irony there's no lighting here that makes us uh that gives us any menace Uh, like the the lighting is bright neon lit uh batman and robin from the 90s right movie level of of like color and insanity in the background here instead of anything that's remotely suggesting that flag should be somebody to be feared and even in that moment with like the video screens right like where he stops and looks, that's a moment of actual creepiness and it's still as bright as anything in the world. So again, I, I've fought this fight and I'm going to keep doing it that like this show has failed at multiple levels from lighting to cinematography to to sets to background to to costumes. Again, you can take it all the way up and through because none of the stuff is actually serving to develop a character who matters in this world. Right. Like, again, Lloyd is all this flamboyant, rambunctious nonsense when in the book, he's actually a fairly competent manager who is the way that he's he not is competent here because of flag, though. Right? right. Not only did he save his life, but he is like he's never had responsibility before. He's never been a manager before. He's never been anything to anyone except for Polk's henchman. Now he's still a henchman, <laughs> but he's more competent and he owes flag for that. Yeah, that's a great point. Like the henchman, like we talked about the fascist stuff, the Nazi stuff. He's like more like like an Adolf Eichmann, just like carrying out these horrendous orders. Like because in his personal life, like in the book, whole like he like loves kind of seeing the kids at the school, like brings them candy. You know, like do you picture the Floyd on the in the TV show doing anything remotely like that? It's like no, he's just in the penthouse. It's crazy. I just I thought that they would assume like they would just refuse to have kids allowed in Vegas. Like I wouldn't like a school. What? Why would there even be kids anywhere near that society? If you have kids, why the fuck are you moving to this Vegas place? Well, in the show, they don't have it here. Right? It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what? Hey, sorry, kids. I'm going to go work in the slave quarters and then clean up dead bodies from gladiatorial matches. Good, be good at school. Go learn your ABCs. I can't, it's just, it's a cartoon, it's a caricature it's of insane. what a villain should be, of what a bad society is. It's all borrowed from, from 1980s camp, and it's sewn in here with terrible music choices again. Another awful episode full of that. So again, it's just like, 
this works if you have nuance and it works if you have layers and it works if you feel bad for the people in Vegas. Because again, I get you're starving for order and comfort after the world collapses. That makes sense. That's not even hard to illustrate or, or sell to people. A w- weird sex dungeon of of nonsense with terrible balconies, by the way. Why are they facing the interior of the hotel? What is this? Who built this? Look Why? at the pool. To look at the makeshift pool that's now... That's inside in Las Vegas for some reason when you could have it outside because it never rains. This doesn't, this the fucking show. Oh, another thing, just before we actually get into, and we've actually, we've kind of just shit on Lloyd for the, the greater part of the last five minutes, but uh, Dane is like kind of a terrible spy. And all I can think of again, because my brain did for some reason go to Arrested Development is like when Tobias is trying to get his name spread around Hollywood and he's like, Man, that's Tobias is all everyone's talking about. All she's doing is going around and being like, man, that flag, who's that guy? Are we ever going to go meet this guy? What are you doing? Stop it. They immediately catch you for it. And then then that video pops up when he looks at her and it's like this feeling of like complete terror. She turns like, hey, so (laughs) when are we going to go see flag? What are you doing? Stop it. Stop. When when the big dark devil man turns and looks at you mysteriously and mystically and basically goes, I know who you are. Like your job as a spy is now like, I got to get that information out. Like, all right, yeah. I got I got some of the information. I now need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, that's when you hear, you know, the door slam, uh, the car screech out, the plane fly away. Like, she is out. Like, I'll be right back, Lloyd. I just got to check on something. You, you got to be gone at that point. Uh, like, Man, what, that what flag's you, all anyone, everyone's talking about. <laughs> like, it's so bad. They so made, terrible. They made that one scene do so much work because that's also the one where Julie is like, hey, hey, isn't that Tom Cullen literally the only other person yes. in the show oh, I've been in God. a scene with? Yeah, I can't believe how much how much heavy lifting they put on such an innocuous scene. And again, with no repercussions, with no repercussions. No, no. hold on. Is Julie this bad in the book, Corey? She's not in the book for this long. She literally shows up for like one little section, at least that I'm aware of. And then she's out again. It's crazy. Matt, is am I right on that? Yeah, for sure. Like. She's not like sleeping with Lloyd. Like it's not like that's his girl. It's like no, Dane is the one who's like sleeping with Lloyd for information. Julie's nowhere to be seen. She's out doing like she's like on the complete other side of town. She's nothing to do with like this inner ring, this inner circle part of it. That's like not her role at all. Like they added her here, I guess, just to add some like character. I, I don't know. And they turn Lloyd into like some some joke. So I have no idea why she's here. Doesn't play a lot, and it's not how it happened in the book. Right. It's again, it's changes just for changes sake. Uh, We're not doing anything for a purpose here. And again, I'm not one for slavish devotion to the book either. But like, if you're going to write a character in, like actually have it be a consequential one. Uh, And Julie doesn't do anything. Uh, There's no chemistry between the two of them. I don't like either of them. And so like every moment that they're spending together and again, just spewing terrible dialogue at one another. It's, it's painful. Why? Why am I doing this? Yeah, in the book, she's a plot device to point out Tom. That's it. Yep. And they basically made her a character and cut a ton of important characters. I, so, I, strange, I, yeah. I wonder, like, should they just have rolled her character up in with Lloyd's? And, like, so Dana's sleeping with Lloyd, and it's like she's trying to work her instead, and then you can actually have a little bit more diversity and actually give a female character some some actual purpose and drive other than just she exists there to just connect us to Lloyd who connects us to Flag. It would have been much nicer to have more Dana scenes so we actually know who she yeah, is. Right? She's not just some 
person we just last saw like covered in a blanket. And all of a sudden, she's like a top spy. Hey, Nick, they have they have a triad relationship. All right, they are a poly relationship. So obviously, they're they're uh, uh, in in Hell New Vegas. Okay, 100%. we've we've shown that anybody who lives. Any kind of different lifestyle should be in Vegas for some reason and okay with people being murdered in a pit. All right, so we have one more, I guess, important scene here with uh, Vegas, and that's Dana's confrontation with Flag here at the end. Uh, it's funny. I put this question out on Twitter, whether or not they saw, like, is this is this book like a, it was supposed to be a horror novel? And most people said it's like, it's like apocalyptic fiction with like moments of horror, like moments of like, you know, that are kind of fear inducing. I guess this last scene with Flag was its attempt to show menace. Corey, what are you thinking about it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good summation of how the the novel handles it. And in this, it just, I mean, I like Skarsgård. I right. think that he plays the scene well. I think that him playing to the death actually creates like two seconds worth of of suspense for somebody who doesn't know, you know, what's about to happen. Hmm. So I think that works. But I also think that the show ruins it, right? Like they have that scene where they edit, uh, you know, like the galaxy into his eyes. And like, that's not... There's no menace there. And like, this is a guy you just stabbed in the neck who just floated off the energy of the people cheering for him downstairs. He's engineering this society, right, that is uh, gearing up towards something, towards Boulder. And I don't get any fear from any of this. It's just sad. Actually, I'm kind of confused with that. Do people know that he can fly and levitate? Like, they didn't actually see that, right? No, no, no. That's it's something I think Matt, uh, again, as a, as somebody from the book is going to have a better understanding of that. But like, man, even the way he just flops on the couch right at the end of the scene, right after Dana kills herself, he just sits right. down like, oh, I spilled my milk. Hmm. All right. Which, again, maybe he really does care about. They've milk is very valuable, very valuable <laughs> to him. I don't know. Like somebody watched the boys right before this and just <laughs> right, decided right. to totally rip some <laughs> shit off. But uh, Matt, like, could you remember that scene where he like finally like levitates and stuff? For sure. Yeah. So the way they portray him and how people view him in Vegas is it just flag is like. He's very mysterious. They have all had these dreams, so they know there's something up with them. And like the big thing that they have is like he's always there. Like somehow, like one day, and like they're confederate. It's not just in Vegas. Like their confederation, they're in Oregon, they're in Idaho, they're in San Diego, they're all over the place. And Flag one minute will be up in Portland checking in on his henchmen, and then he'll be down in San Diego, like seemingly like instantly. So like you're, everyone's conflict. They have these orders. They know what happens if you don't obey the orders. You get crucified. And somehow he's always there watching you. There's this ominous feeling and presence. Right. That's that's um, terror. That's hard. That's terror. Right. right. Yeah. His goons are terrified of him. So here's a quick example of it. So like got a couple of goons out there, you know, basically watching out for spies. Um, and, and they're supposed to kind of pick somebody up and they they fuck up royally, right? So then flag shows up. This is how flag shows up, right? Hey, Bobby Terry, you screwed it up. The dark man bellowed and fell upon the hapless Bobby Terry. There were worse things than crucifixion. There were teeth. So like he eats the dude. He ate this dude. Yeah. Like he eats the, like the, and like in front of the time, this poor too. Bobby Terry's like, I can't screw up or I'm going to get crucified. <laughs> like the entire time, all he's trying to do is be competent. And because he's an incompetent Bobby Terry, he screws it up and gets eaten, you know? So like, yeah, there is moments of fear and terror. Like constantly there's an undercurrent of terror for this entire Vegas part. And it's rage, right? Like rage is at the mm. core of it. And we don't get that here, right? Like, to me, if if Flag can sense where these people are, if he can feel the judge at the edge of the desert, if he can feel those kind of things, wouldn't not knowing 
bring out some of that rage, right? Some of the reason to be afraid of him. And no, mm -mm, nope, just, just, oh, shucks. Yeah, he raises his voice just a tiny bit, gets a little bit mad, but that's it. No, in, in the book, it's played out very differently because Flag, he like, it brings Dana in and he's like, hey, I know you're a spy. That's, that's fine. Like, look, I mean, it makes perfect sense that you come over here to see what we're up about. And like, and here's, here's this quote real quick. Uh, you know, we're out here in the great Western desert, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, a smattering my people are in Washington and Seattle. We're too scared to even think about taking a census for a year or more. We're more vulnerable than your zone. The free zone is like a, this highly organized hiver commune. We are nothing but a confederacy with me as the titular head. There's room for both of us. Um, there's room, there will still be room for both of us in 2190. What in God's name do we have to fight about? So then he basically gives her a map and be like, all right, well, we'll send you on your way, you know? And then he's like, that, that make, that's what the devil does. So then he's like, that, but before you go, I kind of need to know who that third spy is, right? And then then Dana's like, oh, okay. And then like what Flag does is was is kind of cool. Like if anybody's seen um uh it, like the newest it movies or whatever, he's got this pennywise where one second he's kind of like He's like, you know, kind of happy. He's this clown or whatever, a little bit friendly. And then he flips on a dime, you know, and mm. it just immediately it's this, of course, it's menace and it's rage and it's fear inducing. And he goes to that quick. And we don't get that. Right. And, oh. and again, the show, this is this is decisions about the showrunner, about the director, about the lighting, about the sound editing. You can drop his voice down three octaves. And again, it was more menacing in this in this one. Um, again, he's he's kind of uh, brought some of that menace in that dream sequence with Nadine. Um, and again, I, you know, it's there's so much in this episode that are just flat and not worth talking about. But one of the other things is like, again, the performance isn't the problem here, but you can enhance it by fucking around with the light, by bringing things down again when he's going to hit that menace. Like have the lights hit, have his voice drop, right? Change something about this. And like, that's fine. They know he lives up in that tower. Right. Like he's up in like the high rise. You should be able to like see his shadow or some points like, like there, there's little moments where they could kind of point to like to, to menace. Does Julie see the same thing that that Dana sees in that video? Like is, is flag also personally communicating to every single person? Right. So like you look over at Julie and Julie's scared because like she knows that she has to successfully bring Dana to him. Like there's moments where they could bring that out, but they just don't. Well, the only two people we actually meet in Vegas are are Lloyd and Julie, and they're totally fine. Now, maybe if we met a couple other people who talked about how fucking terrifying it was living here with this, like that you could, you could show it that way. It doesn't even have to be flag. Right. That's how people feel, yeah. feel about flag. Right. Hey, you know what? But no, you should know that. Right. Because these are people who live alternative lifestyles and, ha and like to have <laughs> kinky sex. All right. So that's, you know, they're bad. Okay. It's not even fair. Reno. And then, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. And then the last thing real quick, when Corey talks about like, and then he just flops back on that couch. In the book, he's so rage-filled that, you know, Dana kills herself in the book, too. It's a similar situation. That he, like, beats her bloody body to a pulp. It calls Lloyd in. Lloyd is just, like, this terrified, like, craven dude. And he's like, just get rid of that for me, will you? And Lloyd's like, you know, yes, sir, whatever you say, sir. And then, like, just creeps out of there. Like, that's rage. Like, that's, it's not just him sitting on a couch. He's so mad that, like, he can't see this. Like, he feels like this omniscient being, and he can't see Tom. Yeah, then why, are, nuts. why aren't Lloyd and... Why is like Lloyd and Julie should be in this scene then? And it might make more sense to me as why Lloyd is so scared all the time because he watches what. But Lloyd's not Flag scared. Does 
no no I, no but like oh no all of a sudden the terror the terror in the middle of sex Come no on. the t yeah i was gonna say the terror stop. that made him stop in the middle of sex is okay i'm fine now i'm on the floor of his building and i'm okay to wink and point at you and send you on out of here julie who's never met him like again this is a great time to have her like oh my god and be infatuated with him and actually realize that she's working for the devil and a monster right like there's exactly. consequence and fear to that but like do we do any of that no like because hey look before i said that he was scared okay so that's good enough right i said it i said it one sentence before i don't need to show shit in a tv show for some I reason I think we need to leave Vegas. Like, happily go back to Boulder. Never Please. have I been more excited to go Please. back to Boulder. It won't be happily. <laughs> We're going to take a break real quick. We're going to talk about Boulder, and then we'll be back. We're transitioning from Vegas here to Boulder, uh, which... Maybe you were excited to get back to Boulder after seeing how bad Vegas was, but you're not because Boulder's pretty terrible too. Uh, I, I think we should start with this Mother Abigail and Nick scene. Uh, why is this scene here? I guess they need something to show like why Mother Abigail like has to just bail in like, you know, 20 minutes later in the episode. Like otherwise, like there'd be no reason for her to just pack up and leave. Like they've gone, they've gone or they give you no other hints or reasons why. They have to have something, and I guess like she's just God's mad that that Nick sent spies into Vegas, right? It's it's really stupid because uh, this we didn't have any payoff yet, right? Like that's how badly this show is edited and cut together. Is that like there's not yet when they have that conversation, the death or anything else that happens. It's literally just like Nick decided to flip, right? Just so we can have that scene at the end of like, oh, I don't know where she went. I get like we don't ever have any build up to make the payoff matter. It goes from characters, it goes for plot points. It's just like a, a perpetual issue in this show that we keep screwing that dichotomy up. Yeah, and in the book, she's like a very Old Testament prophet. She's very Moses, um, and she kind of commits sin of pride. You know, she like along the journey, she kind of like takes credit for something that was clearly a God given thing, um, and for that, she feels the need to punish herself by kind of just going out into the wilderness. So. There, there was a, a reason where they would have actually have had to have like Abigail be like a character, you know, and set up beforehand. None of that's here. So they had a quick shoehorn in something, and the best they could do with was, was I guess them sending spies. So well, why, why then why not have her yell at the whole crew? Like, why aren't the five again? Because again, you're trying to put people together on camera so you can actually build character moments, like which worked in the last episode in those first ten minutes. Why doesn't she show up to yell at the entire group to say like you, you all, bro you all went against me, not just. Nick, who just sits there and takes it, and then that's it for the entire episode. <laughs> he just takes it. That's it. Who knows? That's a great point. They should have. Uh, I have nothing else to say with Mother Abigail and Nick. I think we should just get into Nadine, who's a little bit more interesting in this episode. Not good, but interesting. Uh, I, I am confused at as to why they're showing her conflict with killing Teddy, like, now. Like, now she's, she's struggling with this? It feels clumsy. You mean she should have been conflicted before she already all, totally went all in with flag? Yeah, that would have been helpful. You know, like in yeah. the book, she has all of these these possible changes of heart before she throws all in and seduces Harold. Makes no sense. It's completely out of order. Yeah, again, it's just it, there are the scenes here, and that's what it's showing me, right? It's like there that is one of uh, her scene with Larry um, that should have been in the previous episode, right? Yeah, like there, there's plenty of stuff that should happen before that that 
um, that stone is given to her by flag. And again, it's just it's just a pacing thing, right? It's it's the setup and payoff. It's the loading of these Chekhov's guns that, again, are just fired at the wrong time because there's no there's no ratcheting up of tension. There's no nuance or understanding. It's just rapid fire shit. And I, I don't get what makes it into the episode and what doesn't because there's there's no logical progression on a lot of this. Yeah, I mean, she's out looking for bombs and she just shot Teddy. Like, her mind's made up. <laughs> I, I don't need to see yeah, this right. now. Like, it's done. Again, and Harold's the only one with that storyline, right? With this now uh, that should be struggling is what I mean, right? He's the one who's just lost his best friend. That, to me, indicates, like, if, if you have him struggling with that this episode, that's fine. And that also adds some tension and drama to the spy scene with Larry, right? Like, they Oof. completely <laughs> miswrote who should be struggling in this episode and who's who's convinced, right? Because Nadine's the convinced leader at this point. I loved watching Nadine slink, slunk, slink away from the house. Slunked. It's awful. Just she asks because again, like 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 you said here, like that moment with Larry where she's like, "I I need you to have sex with me right now. I need I need this to happen." Which Matt, you kind of <laughs> you said last week, which I guess they actually did use, but again, why they would use it here is really awkward. Bananas. And why does Larry say no? I have no idea. I have no idea. What rush to do this? Hey, Franny, I'll do this. Ne- I'll do this tomorrow. Have another dinner party with him, and I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah, or like, how about we do it when uh, like you know, Harold's at work? He he does like like he's like on town watch. Like he could be across town for like eight hours at a time. I mean, there's plenty of opportunities to do that. I'll get back to you. She even talks about how Stu makes the schedule. It's just a like, hey, when's Harold on? That's so dumb. But like the going back to Larry with Nadine, they did they establish anything about how Larry actually feels about Nadine? I think did they show one flashing sequence of them making out on the road once? That's it. I think that's it. And that was also part of the sex. That was a part of the sex dream. That's what makes Flag pop into Nadine's dream, right? She's having a sex dream about Larry, and then the vision with Flag starts. So I I think that was just a ham-fisted way of trying to show that. Very. So we have no idea if Larry's interested in Nadine, like in the show, yeah, right? It has nothing to they do with nothing. Larry, yeah. Okay. But give him a yeah. girlfriend, because what does it matter? You've introduced female characters with no consequence for 15 minutes at a time, and I'm supposed to care when they stab themselves in the neck with a bottle. So what's what's the point of not having Larry keep the girlfriend? And again, it's not a, a loyalty to the book thing, because I don't give a shit about that. I just want functioning characters. But the, that's an excuse. That's something that, again, could make Nadine feel rejected that makes sense, right? But they don't they don't talk up their friendship. They've scared, They've shared... Two seconds of screen time three episodes ago. Yeah, because in the book, Larry is like hopelessly in love with Nadine. It's kind of like a like a Franny uh, Harold situation mm-hmm. where she's uninterested because she's promised to the Dark Lord. Larry is like super into her, but eventually like they meet up with other people along the way. He pairs off with another woman. And when she comes to, like, to the house, basically like saying like, we have to go out and fuck me before the Dark Man gets me. He's well, she doesn't exactly say the dark man get me, but like he's already with committed in another relationship and he and he feels like like you know that'd be a complete betrayal of her. Like he's made his decision, she's made hers. The timing isn't right. That makes sense. <laughs> this, like, she seems like a little bit off, like she seems a little strange, right? Um, but like I don't I don't not you know, the world ended. Like I, I think everybody's feeling a little bit weird. I I I'm I'm I have no idea why Larry was like hard pass now. Makes no sense. What they could have done then, maybe, and maybe I'm, I'm going off on a, on a crazy tangent, which by all means you guys can yell at me, which you have and will. Uh, why not again make Judge Ferris then younger, make her paired off with like with uh, um, with Larry, and then her say, "I need I need to be the one who goes," 
And then like he chooses not to be with Nadine because he's thinking of his relationship with her. And it's a hard thing for him to be like, I you know you can't do this. And she's like, look, I don't know who you're talking to. You can't tell me what to do. And I know that this is the right thing. Like maybe they could have done that just to, again, bring to connect roles. So you're not just having so many little minor characters that don't actually add up to anything. Or, or just have it like her being like hard, no, hard, no, no, Larry, I'm not interested in you. I'm not interested in you for like, you know, like along their journey. Also possible. Like, why why yeah. all of a sudden you completely flipped your mind about this thing randomly and you're acting strange. Like you could maybe do something like that, but like they don't have a relationship. They just right. hang out with Joe and play guitar a couple of times. Yeah, it this shows all tell and no show. That's one big thing of this, right? It's all just exposition is is, is what gets you there. I, I mean, that's one major failing. Uh and two is you cut out the road journey, right? Like you cut out yes. all of the characterization and everything else. And that's what we're talking about when we say build up, y'all. Again, there's no consequence to this. I, I hardly know who these people are. So when they're making these choices and decisions, it's I don't care because they're inconsequential to me to start with. And and this gets to one of my like favorite things of the episode where like Larry, Nadine comes in, she's acting very strange, like almost telling him like like something terrible will happen <laughs> unless this comes to pass. And Larry's like, well, I, I got, I'll, I'll see you later. I got, I got to do some stuff. Meanwhile, Harold shows up. This is the opening scene of the episode when Teddy's dead. Larry's with Stu. Harold shows up and he's really broken up. Has like a real human emotional great, reaction. Actually a good moment yeah. in this episode. Yeah. Oh, it was great. Totally right. bought it. And like, I don't even think Harold, like the Harold, the character was acting. I think he was really broken up about it. Right. right. And they just cut to Larry's like, I don't buy it. Nope. <laughs> and I'm like, where is this guy? Like completely innocent scene. Doesn't buy it. And then super obvious thing going on. Totally, totally over his head. And then, Crazy. And in the book, Larry is one of Harold's most staunch defenders because he's literally who he followed throughout the country. He's he's the reason that Larry made it to Boulder and is alive. One of the last people to abandon him in the court of public opinion, right, about his, his behavior. Totally. But again, we're just getting it steamrolled into one episode because, uh, again, the pacing on this thing is broken so severely i mean we have what three episodes of actual content left and then one epilogue episode written by king himself i get crazy crazy this is not an unadaptable story but at the same time like you have to give people a little bit of screen time and actually use it to establish real things and real conflicts and we don't get that it is just exp ex expository moments where i tell you something that is supposed to be built up in the book uh and again it's just a slavish devotion to sloppiness at this point because it feels like every bad decision just begets another one and we can't ever course correct and in terms of an episode a character the music choice like the it's the choice is done i think this. it's i think it's funny that like i feel like are, are you guys more confused about this than me i haven't read the book so like i am just confused at the story or are you guys more confused as to any decision that ever was happening in this entire piece because it kind of feels like that like i'm just i'm confused because none of it makes sense you just feel like i should know this stuff and i just don't Ridiculous. It just seems like they're like King like left you like wide open doors to walk through like a basic plot points and basic characters. And they're like, let me try to sneak in this like this like upstairs window. It's right. like, no, just just take the easy path. That's right there. It's not complicated. Like and they just choose to cut random stuff. I It makes no sense. And now we get I think we should actually take a break here. Let's come back and talk about I think the most important scene uh, of the episode with the, with the dinner party, which again, flashes of the office. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk about the dinner party uh, and then we'll wrap this episode. So we'll see you guys in a sec. 
let's talk about the uh, the dinner scene here at the end. Uh, I think it would have been better if Dwight actually showed up here at the end and maybe make the dinner party feel a little bit better. Uh, but no, Franny instead here invites just Harold over for dinner. Um, and prior to that, she asks Larry to spy on him while he's at this little dinner get together. Corey, I guess I'm going to come to you first because I'm trying to make sense of this. What did you make of Franny's plan? Like her kind of going to Larry and, and, and doing all of this? I mean, it's the dumbest plan of all time. Right here. <laughs> With Stu, who literally in the episode, but go out of your way to let us know, like, oh, he makes and knows the schedule. He could have literally found out when he was on the top of a mountain or doing whatever and just gone into his house. You could have, I don't know. It's it's absolutely ludicrous to think that this is the way that we're going to pan out here. I mean, it's... It's just poorly executed. Even the conversation that they have, right, while they're setting all this up where, again, he swings and acts horribly right which I, I enjoy that they called that out but again I, right. I, I have a hard time also patting you on the back for like I'm glad it was a female character who said it right like that was that was a point but at the same time like again like that this plan is awful um it's it's not even posed well like you don't even have the radio to contact Larry you know Stu is on it all the time so like your <laughs> even your method of communication is a right. stupid plan so, like again, I'm not going to compliment you for the one right thing that you did when it came down to actual competent behavior. You made her look like a stooge. Well, I want to get back to like one more thing that I just don't think it is shown in the show. Nick, why is Franny so suspicious of Harold that, that she's going to send a guy to break into his house? Why? Again, the only scene that they've shown me, I think, is from last episode when he stood up and gave that speech. He kind of gave him like the narrow eye. That's it. That's not enough. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah, that's not a thing. No, it's not. Right? So she's going to break into this guy's house because he nominated them in a tie and gave a nice smile. It's crazy. This is the episode of the right conversations at the wrong time. Right. With Abigail and and Nadine with this. Right. Like you didn't add the elements in beforehand that made this scene actually have consequence. And that's an editing issue. I agree, Corey. But in the book, there's like a nice cat and mouse going on between between Franny and Harold. Like, nope, <laughs> no, no, none of that. So I'm just going to say this out because it just doesn't appear like the show is interested in it. So I, I mentioned before how Franny keeps a diary. You know, and the diary is full with a lot of things that she wants to write down um, about the world that had just ended to remind like herself and to read to her, her kid, you know, when her kid's growing up, to remind her of the world that has, has passed. But like scattered throughout the diary, she just constantly shits on Harold. It's like a burn book. It's like Regina George, it's Regina George. Girls, <laughs> just crushing Harold. And like at this point, like it's pretty much just her and Harold. And then eventually it's Stu and Glenn. And Harold's incredibly competent. Like, look, he's weird. Harold's super weird. Um, but very competent. And, and he's guiding them very safely and effectively across the entire country on like mopeds. It's pretty impressive. And she just shits on him. And basically he's just like a cock block between her and Stu, who she's like kind of fallen in love with at this point, And she kills him in it. And then one day she sees a like greasy thumbprint in her diary. And she's like, holy shit. Oh, Harold read, read my diary. Oh. After he professed his love to me, I just shat on him exactly the way he was shat on in Maine his entire life. Gotcha. And his affect completely changes after that. He kind of becomes happy. I'm going to be a different person, Harold. Tom Cruise, Harold. weird. So yeah, Tom, Tom Cruise, big smile pointing, you know, at, at the camera, Harold. Uh, Franny's very suspicious from that point on. So she sneaks into his house, leaves a footprint that, <laughs> that, uh, that Harold notices. And now he's like, shit, 
I'm, I'm down here building a fucking bomb and writing this hate book. Is Franny been down here spying on me? So now it's up to Harold to be like, how much does Franny know? There's a really interesting cat and mouse game. None of that is in this. It's crazy. I've said it once. I'll say it a thousand times. This show hates suspense, man. <laughs> it just absolutely does. It's shown it's completely incapable of building up any one of these moments to actually matter. So it wasn't a moment when Harold walks back home and walks in the door and Larry's like, shit, I got to get out of here. And then in the time it took for Harold to walk up a flight of stairs and turn into a room. I mean, it's honestly, it's like nine seconds. Not even. Larry is fucking gone, man. Like he is yeah, out the, out window, I guess out the window. Like, Run right out the window. Is that what upstairs. happened? He went out the window? Because I had actually had no idea what happened. He had to have because there's no other exit from it. And they show the window scene like twice. They, they like pause the camera on it two times. You had to sneak out the upstairs window. No, I expected to see the really corny, like uh, him pressed up against one of the shutters, right? Just, yes, just standing right. Right to, next to the window, right? But also, yeah. you know, it's <laughs> it's raining outside, so you'd probably yeah. be able to tell from I don't know water in your house. Well, maybe it's cold in there now. Yeah, <laughs> like when it was just fucking flown open. Right. No, the most offensive part of all that whole scene was the way Tom Cruise ratted on Harold like that. You know, again, after somebody who we've built up and spent a lot of time with in this show, it, Tom Cruise cut out on this window being the tattletale mm, <laughs> too much i love that larry was like i was suspicious of him before but since the man is a big tom cruise fan now i'm 100 like this guy is definitely fucking like evil and is, pl is plotting something look at this tom cruise thing and by the way if larry is capable of getting out of that situation out of a window he should be the spy you send to vegas because that's incredible um yeah they really set him up to be a successful spy uh prior to that entire moment i guess my other as much as all of this makes me really frustrated, okay? Uh, I have a bigger issue with the fact that if you're at, okay, if this is your plan, if the dinner scene is going to be your distraction for Larry to go into the house, fine. Why did you not invite Glenn? Why is Glenn not there? Corey, he, tell us, you know he's, why. He's the ultimate guy who nonstop talks. And instead you put him next to Stu, who just literally we've learned before, just kind of sits there like a bumbling idiot, like who can't distract. Why don't you invite Glenn over? Because of budget. You can't, you can't afford, you don't got all that Greg Kinnear money, all right, just floating around in here. I, there's honestly no other reason I can think about it, right? Because again, the, the one time the show has worked, at least for Dude, us that collectively. That might actually be it. I, that's oh. the only reason I can think of, right? Because the only other time the show has worked for us is when we get all the characters in a room talking to each other. Right. Because, again, then the show works. But I mean, look, if you have if you have Harold actually the mask crack at dinner, then don't fear the Reaper makes sense at the end. OK, so uh, we can't do that. We have to fuck over the audience. Right. I got to show my complete disrespect. So I'm not going to do that. No, let's just have a flat scene with the three of these sitting around. And uh, can is this the time that we bring up the nanny cam? Can we talk about the nanny cam? Because this <laughs> is driving me nuts the editing in the scene so like the, i forgot about the nanny cam. there's the vapid conversation that happens right and is super inconsequential then we get harold grabs his coat goes upstairs sees the nanny cam then goes back downstairs and later views the nanny cam like i want to know the logistics of how exactly this works when um are we presuming there's fucking Wi-Fi and internet all over Boulder? Did he 
Is that a cable? No. You know what it is? Here, I figured it out. I just figured it out in this moment. He's running a small, very small dental floss cable all around the house. All right? He goes upstairs and plugs it in and connects it to his jacket, and then he just carries it around like a cartoon character for the entire rest of the episode, all the way back to his house where he plugs it in his computer, and then he can watch it because nobody notices anything in this show, so why would they notice that? I figured it out. Who's definitely I did not it. noticing it. I did it. Yeah, because I, I think at one point, one of you guys asked me, like, oh, well, he, he, gave, he gave Franny the, the teddy bear. Like in a previous episode, I was like, no, I didn't. Like that thing was nope. just there. Nope. And apparently it's been there the entire time. Stu and Fran are just like, yeah, that creepy teddy bear that like is very obviously anyone who's ever seen anything knows it's a fucking nanny cam. They're just like, we're just going to let that teddy bear sit there and look at us. Like, we're not going to do any redecorating of the room. I, I don't get Crazy. like Stu's the quasi cop, too. Like, I mean, he's never seen a security camera before ever. I don't get it's nothing about this makes sense how it gets there how he's viewing it because he's viewing it in real time that's my understanding right like he's he's watching it now as you talk about this this makes no sense at all I, I don't know why I like totally brushed past this wow it's horrible why is there a teddy bear there? Continuity errors, right? Again, this comes to like uh, script writing and showing it, editing it. I, I, I'm not sure who whose fault to lie, but like again, sloppy. And I thought like the whole point of like the chess pieces getting knocked over scene was showing that like Harold's a very fastidious person. He would be the type of person that would face his knights at the uh, at the opposing part of the board. And he figured out, I was like, oh, I, I can actually buy that. Like there are certain little things I do around the house. I'm like, that seems fucking weird. I always put my keys here. Somebody else moved them. Um, no, it's just like, apparently he just has a sophisticated uh, camera, uh, security camera set up that he, he goes to two minutes later. What's the point of that? Then? Yes. Don't even show that. That's a great point. I didn't even think of that. Waste. Yeah. Waste of screen time. Wasting screen time. It's all over this. The the I'm, Again, not to hop back all the way to Vegas, but like, why have Lloyd summon Dana to then only pop up around the corner. Why wouldn't he just go get Dana? If he's at the fucking dam, why wouldn't he just go around the corner? We're wasting moments, like minutes of screen time on nothing. Nothing of consequence. Criminal. I can, I, I totally forgot about the teddy bear cam. I, I don't know why. I also, in, in rewatching this and, and on the second rewatch, I didn't even know that Mother Abigail wrote a note. I guess I went to get a drink when that was happening. <laughs> I just put that on the door. I like totally just put that out of my brain. Again, I don't know what else there is to say about the dinner scene. I don't know why you're not bringing on more characters to kind of have this moment. I think Glenn would have been great here. I think the whole thing should have been Franny trying to convince the crew that she has suspicions of Harold for reasons and invites over the five to kind of like act like they're asking him for advice on how to run the community. That would make more sense. And then slowly during the conversation, maybe as they're drinking, Harold starts to kind of unwind a little bit or or maybe the veil comes back us like a little bit and like because glenn asked a question that was slightly probing about like philosophy that would have been cool again I, I try to think of like how would this scene have worked out if like tarantino directed it or wrote it he, he like you send nick over nick feels bad about the spying thing feels bad for selling other people he has a quick thing with fran who's the only other ca character who speaks sign language so it makes sense for them to communicate they do it on a watch timer she's unable to hold harold at the house he goes in there's tension because nick's deaf moving around the house doesn't realize that harold's there until he sees a light flap on now you have some suspense and terror there maybe you actually do it from like a nick point of view and you shut off all the sound and we're not able to hear anything to add some creepiness there's ways to to sell these scenes, to adapt them, to change them, and actually have them work in, in real ways, but, but fuck that. I have a question for you, Nick. What did we learn about Harold by breaking into his house? 
What was the point of that? I mean, I think Tom honestly, Cruise ratted on him. To do. I think, no, there's, I guess, two things. One, that Larry sees the Tom Cruise picture, and then two, Larry sees that the room is locked. That's it. Well, and he finds Nadine's shirt, right? Oh, oh that's right. He does find Nadine's no, shirt. In the book, like, they just, she just openly moves in with Harold. Like, all right, people are kind of moving around. Like, who, who cares? Like, Harold, he's not like, some goblin. Like, he's, you know, hmm. he's a fine guy. He's super competent. He seems well-liked by a lot of the people in the, in the thing. She moves in with Harold. Like in this, it's like it's like a top secret thing, and Larry's like very suspicious now. Very, it's like, like that was the reason. Like that's all we're getting out of this entire scene is that there was a locked door, which I mean, fine, and uh, like old habits or whatever. And uh, Nadine moved in with them. I, the other part of this is like, doesn't the rejection work better after that? Because Nadine hadn't fully moved in, right? Like that's just one shirt that he saw yeah. her in on the road that maybe that maybe Harold stole, right? But like. If we have that moment and we have that flash of Larry thinking that him rejecting Nadine later makes more sense. Makes way oh more my sense. god! If right. she's been fucking right. Harold, like oh no, she is not who I thought she was at all. You're very different now. And again, it's a it's a scene that happens out of time. We don't know where it happens in relationship to these other events. So if you put that literally that same night after that, the rejection even makes more sense. So again, it's like. It, I, I'm not. I'm gonna stop repeating myself because the show is just a mess, and I'm tired of trying to like, again, do the job for it of making this capable show because it sucks. Really good point. If, if maybe she goes to his house and he's not there, and she's confused as to what's happening, and then he shows up and kind of like a huff, and he's nervous, and he's flustered at seeing the shirt, and now has all his brain is racing. All of that makes sense. What they showed on screen does not. Or like Nadine walks into the house with a key, and he's like, "What the fuck?" You know, like. Why, what's Nadine doing here? How does she have a key? Great point. No, why did Harold have to run out of the fucking uh, dinner party anyway? Like, it could have been completely different. Yep. I don't know. It doesn't happen that way in the book, and it's stupid the way they did it on the show. I can't believe that we figured out more about this show in a 52-minute freewheeling conversation than apparently they did in the months and years it took to get this off the ground. That's crazy. Yeah. And I don't want it, to... It's starting to get to a point where, like, you can't. we can't even just blame production because... It's systemic. I, I, again, I don't know how ca- actors sat at the table to talk about the script and didn't say that this felt weird. Like, if, did they do table reads and go like, this isn't working? Again, unless they shot way too much content, when, ran, oh, you know what? Unless they shot way too much content, ran way over budget, and really fucked up a lot of stuff. No reshoots, no any of that. Oh, boy. All right, now we're getting at the heart of this thing. That's why. So you're telling me we're going to get, like, the, the stand cut in, like, two years? Where people like, the I want to see the, I wanna yeah, the Snyder oh. stand cut. I want to see it in order. I want to see the, the real version. Of I mean, they... HBO would have to purchase it and bring everyone back, too, because the, the other part of this <laughs> is, like, I don't think they brought anybody in for reshoots after the fact, after they realized, like, oh, shit, that really didn't work. Like, we need to pull them back in here and redo that. I don't think we have any of that. Oh, my God. No, no. Someone on Twitter already said that they're petitioning CBS to do a stand cut within chronological order, and they tweeted it at us. Oh, I got I to gotta give that person credit for it because I thought it was hysterical, but, I, like... I, I, I it's want coming. Snyder to direct it. I yeah. want I want him to order it. Let's let's see the Snyder cut. The Snyder cut. So yeah, we'll shout him out. We're gonna do a fan episode this Wolf. week, right? We're gonna do a fan episode with just some questions and all that good stuff, right? That we're gonna that we're gonna throw out there. Or you want to throw it in this? No, 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 no. We're, credit to the crowd here I, uh, and to the listeners. I got a ton of listener questions this week, so I actually think we're gonna have a second episode awesome. where we're gonna dive into it. Because uh, look, I don't want to push people for for length too much here, so. Uh, if you've already listened to this episode, Matt, do you have one more thing you want to say? Yeah. Also, don't we have like a pretty creative idea of what we're going to do for the next mini so too? The uh, the middle place? No, the media place. Yeah. Okay. Well, here, here's here's our plan. So like right now, like 
we have two surviving societies. We have Boulder led by Mother Abigail and God. And we have Las Vegas and, and Flag. You know, he's basically the devil. It's like, what if there was like a third option? You know, what would it look like? You know, what type of people would be leading it? What type of people would be going there? Where would it be? So I, we were just kind of thinking about that, like a fun little like, uh, you know, what's the middle place? So just, you know, think about it, noodle it. And then um, we're, I think we're all going to have ideas and we'll vote on it kind of towards at the end to see like what, what our official stand the middle place is. I'm going to win that. So it's fine. And like, I'm, I I'm excited to hear what you guys are going to say, I but I can't one. wait for mine. Okay. Uh, no. So look, look, we're going to have another episode out actually this week too, with our listener questions, please uh, give that a little download. If again, for everyone who's already given us five stars on uh, Apple podcasts, thank you. I think we were at 20 last we checked. Uh, uh, Twitter, you guys have been really asking questions and sending and everything. So we're going to like, uh, have one specific episode just for you guys there for those listener questions. So uh, that's it for this episode. Uh, take, you know, keep an eye out for the next one coming out. If you have any questions you want to ask us, you can either reach us on, on Twitter at, uh, at underscore broadcasters, or you can go to uh, our email there at the broadcasters podcast at gmail.com. I'm Nick. I'm Matt. And I'm Corey. And we'll see you guys next week.